And just time to look back at the British Grand Prix, which truly was an historic weekend for British motorsport. An incredible points advantage for the UK-based Mercedes team, a record-setting sixth British Grand Prix win for Lewis Hamilton, and most notably, an incredible achievement for regular Silverstone spectator Pete Wilson of Ipswich, who for the first time after the race managed to find his car and leave the car park in under 17 hours. Hello, welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed. I'm Zog, and with me today are Richard. Hello. And Sarah Leach. Hello. And there is no Gareth today. Gareth is away, so we are doing the show without you, Gareth. Yeah, Hi, sorry. Gareth. <laughs> <laughs> hope, you, hope you're having a good time in America. Actually, what, do you know where he'll be? Right? Is he going to be? He posted something on social media that he today? was having breakfast somewhere in America. Breakfast in America. Breakfast in America. Hey, that could, could, could almost be an album title. It's a it? small place, yeah, I'm sure, wherever it is. I think, I've probably been to, I think I've been to the place where he's having breakfast. The American Breakfast Place. The American Breakfast Place. Yeah, there's only one. Well, this is actually the first Gareth Jones on Speed episode that he hasn't been in, so I know that he's been looking forward to listening to this. Well, let's hope it uh, lives up to your expectations. Uh, <laughs> as long as they're, they're, they're fairly low. Yeah, but, c- c- yeah, keep them low, keep them low. So, welcome to Gareth Jones on holiday. <laughs> well, he's not and welcome he's to, busy, welcome anyway. to us without Gareth Jones. Yeah, in Zog's cellar. In so, surrounded by car parts. Can I just uh, say it is a very well-themed cellar. You've got tyre cars here. Tyre cars? Lot tyre cars, car tyres. Car tyres. Some Venezuelan... Beaver cheese. Um, <laughs> uh, Venezuelan arrows over there in the corner. Um, old... Uh, Venezuelan yeah, my, arrows? My, my granddad got them in Venezuela... Years and years ago, like arrows, as in, as in, oh right, I can't even see those. I can just see, I can see a stack of uh, tires. Is that a parcel shelf over there? Uh, yeah, with assorted uh, chocolate-related uh, equipment. There was a, a couple of fishing rods. Sarah's leaning on a, a shelf that's got some. Uh, oil on it and some other car parts. Yep. It sounds like we're making this yeah. up, like we're trying to paint pictures. This is a very, words. very <laughs> exciting place to be. This is genuinely top original oil. Oh my god! No, 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 no. That's, that's the, the, car wash. That's branded. That's branded top gear car wash. That was branded. I bet there's the words on the back because I used to write. Did you? Did you write? Did you write the blurb on the on the back of this? Oh my god! It's from M and S. Jesus Christ. Some say the stick doesn't need skin, but you do. Take care of your bodywork with this race crew. No, I didn't write that because I wouldn't have written that. That sounds awful. Um, but yeah, one of my jobs when I worked on Top ago. Gear, I used to, um, I, I used to have products. to write the, the blurb for the back of Top Gear branded stuff occasionally. So that's the glamorous life of a top TV <laughs> script editor. Yeah, exactly. Just getting made to do the stuff no one else wants to do. That's extraordinary. This is a, this is a great testament to um, the absolute nonsense that <laughs> and, and as far as I can remember I think I've, I, actually I, I don't think I've ever used that that, that seems to be a full do you know what's good about it though it's a faux bottle of oil though yeah. because it's got I've the little the um, the little clear um, strip up the side that they have on oil bottles uh, are you sure people won't accidentally put it on the same shelf as they keep their oil on and then accidentally put, put body wash into their, the sump of their car no I think <laughs> and they would have said that. no yeah, not they not used to, the other thing they used to do there was once I had to write the, the words for the back of a, a remote control stig quad bike and it was plainly obvious to me that what they'd done is they'd just taken a generic remote control quad bike and painted the rider white and put it in a Top Gear branded box and charged about twice as much for it. <laughs> Isn't I, that... I wrote some really cynical words for the back of the thing about, you know, <laughs> thank you for purchasing this old it's, pad. It's cheap knockoff. And that got told off. And <laughs> we weren't allowed to do that. You can't be too honest in well, when you're I writing so. uh, marketing blurbs. Um, yeah. Anyway. It's getting had in advertising, isn't it, that? Volvo, they're boxy, but they're good. That, that old... Hey, I'd, 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 I'd buy a Volvo on that basis. Okay, let's get back to uh, let's get back to current events rather than current surroundings. Yeah. Um, what's been happening in the world of F one? We had a we had a Grand Prix recently. We had, we had and a British uh, Grand Prix. We had a British Grand Prix, and we know somebody who was there. Yeah. Who can report? Who can t- tell us right. in person? Exclusively from Exclusively. the British Grand Prix, because uh, no one else. Was Richard, there. what happened? Now it was, uh, apparently it was it was, really it was a cracker. They say. Was, yeah, uh, I had a cracker, but I was on a bit of a blag, and I. 
uh, had a couple of glasses of wine while I was watching the race, which always makes no. it go. And we were in quite a good spot. <laughs> we were on the inside of Stoke Corner as well, which is a good place to watch in as much as you get a good clear view of the cars coming all the way up and through that corner and off. Um, so it's not it's not a bad place to be standing. Um, but the race itself was pretty good. I mean, do you know what's funny? That well, you, you know how you, you, anyone who's ever been to a Formula One race, you realise that your window of opportunity, that's why it's quite good on the inside of Stoke, because at least you see the cars for sort of 10 seconds maybe yeah. as they pass by. But I think anyone who's ever been to a Formula One race, if you've got a line of sight on one of the big screens, you mm. find you're watching that way more than you're really watching no, the cars I agree. going yeah. by. Yeah. I've been only blessed once, really, to be into the what the, the corporate suites, where actually my Formula One experience, I managed to get into the Australian Grand Prix. I had Arnold Schwarzenegger in my uh, corporate suite. Ooh, yeah, so uh, long story short, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the short version. But, yeah, I met... You have this small window where you see the car zoom past, mm. and I just watched it on the screen the whole time with Arnold Schwarzenegger over my shoulder, of course. Well, yeah, yeah this thing, you have to actually be quite close to the action before you really want to see, uh, you know, to see the real thing rather than the beautiful shot on the big screen. Um, so we, but, we, we had the opportunity to stand on this sort of roof terrace thing to watch the... Where you could see the track. That would have been quite cool. Yeah, it was really cool. And because it was sort of full corporate swankarama, they'd got TVs on the roof terrace. Mm. But I sat with a couple of mates of mine who were there in the downstairs bit because you could actually hear the commentary and we watched the start from down there because that was the best view. And then we were like, well, just watch the start and we'll then we'll go upstairs and we'll you know take properly take in the action and the atmosphere. And then, of course, the first few laps were the really good bits, and mm. and we ended up sort of glued to the TV and standing up. You know, you know when things are getting a little bit exciting when you suddenly find that you've involuntarily stood up, mm. and we were doing that. And then we finally went upstairs. But even before that, when Hamilton was making his moves on Bottas, and they were having a real, they were a real tussle, uh, tussle yeah. and we could hear the crowd every time it looked like Hamilton was about to nail it. Was the quite crowd exciting. noise was yeah, and the crowd noise. Even though we were still indoors at that point, we were like, mm. want to go outside but can't tear ourselves away from the TV. We could hear the roar of the crowds because a massive grandstand on the outside of Stoke. Mm. It was that. So that was great. That was really exciting. Well, the the so, British crowd absolutely loved Lewis, mm, didn't they? At the end mm. of the at the end of the Grand Prix, I mean, he was crowd surfing, mm. was he not? Yeah, they they certainly loved Lewis, and Lewis, you know, I think has a genuine you know love, re- real affection for the British fan. But also, I think it's worth you know noting that the the Silverstone crowd tends to be it, it's it's actually not too you know it's not too jingoistic a crowd you know the the, the Silverstone crowd you know they they love good races they love good mm. drivers and good performances um, and you know they're not um, uh, you know they they're not just you know cheering for the British drivers you know, of course the, you know when, when you've got Lewis winning the race you know demonstrating what a Truly extraordinary driver he is. I mean, one of the high points of the, the race for me actually was well, was the very end. You know, even though, you know, in the end we had a race that, you know, as widely predicted, Lewis won, um, and that Lewis won having you know led for you know the back half of the race really pretty mm. untroubled, yeah. which doesn't sound like a very exciting event, but you know, but the the manner in which he did it and the way in which in that you know in, in that last lap. You know, he just uh, kept the hammer down and put in the fastest lap, set a new lap record when he really didn't need to. I, I thought that was just magnificent. Extra and that, point I mean, as well. Extra, extra point. Yeah, about that. Yeah, yeah, you see, it's, 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 it's sort of... It is working it, Yeah, it's, it's, it was well, a it huge cool, thing at the beginning of the season, wasn't yeah, it? And all the drivers were really pushing for the extra point, but it's sort of that whole, you know... Excitement of it has almost fallen by the wayside a little bit, but but it is a good rule change. I, th- I, th- yeah, I, th- I, th- I think it is a good thing they've, they've introduced that. But getting away from the front of the race, I mean, you know, the, the race the race was a cracker further back down, and well, you know, the, the the battle between Leclerc and, and Verstappen was just fabulous. Well, and if we're, the future of F one, yeah, well, yeah. you know, if, if we're going to have you know a lot more of that in the next few years, yeah, <laughs> I think we're all pretty happy about that. Um, I, when I was on my way home from the um, <coughs> British Grand Prix, which I went to, might have mentioned that, uh, but I was, because uh, I 
I, you're right, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> um, have a swig of um, Top booze. Gear body wash. <laughs> Be careful you don't mistake it for the oil. Yeah. Because um, I, uh, I, I, I got a lift, so um, I, uh, I, I had a couple of glasses of wine, so I was able to uh, sit in the back of a car and I was just looking at my phone. And on Twitter, someone had put up a graphic of here are the um, Constructors' Championship standings after that British Grand Prix. And Mercedes are miles ahead. Okay. 407 points. I mean, that's ridiculous. It's almost. insane. And then Ferrari, because oh, yeah. second place, Ferrari, 243 points. Um, and then Red Bull, 191. So that's like, those are the big hits. Those I mean, are the top three. But there is, still a, a massive there is gap a change in the uh, middle order. Yeah. Well, this is this is what really is struck me. This is the, the reason I bring this up is because then it's like so the third place team, Red Bull, 191 points, and then there's such a huge gap. The fourth place team have 60 points, and that fourth place team is McLaren. McLaren, hey, hey. who'd have thunk it? Best of the rest. And if you then accept that, sort of, you, you kind of ignore the top three and just then treat the rest of this like a like a league table An in actual, itself. Yes. Um, and the gap between McLaren and fifth place Renault is is actually quite big because McLaren are on sixty and Renault are on thirty nine. So McLaren aren't just sort of squeaking ahead. I mean, I think they're that, actually they, you know for that. And there are they're McLaren Renault as well. Mm. Well, yeah, this which you know really raises the question: to what extent uh, is McLaren doing what? I think you know a lot of fans would have expected them to do in the long run and pull themselves back up and mm. start delivering the kind of performance that you expect of McLaren. And to what extent are Renault woefully underperforming, given that um, McLaren are outscoring them so much with their own engine? Is yeah. it uh, uh, are Renault doing a bad job, or is McLaren doing a good job? Which well, you'd have wouldn't... to think McLaren's doing a good. Or... Excuse me. <laughs> Sorry, one more yeah, cop. Take, um, take, take, yeah, take another swig. Um, I would have thought that McLaren are just doing a good job. But is it the engine change? I don't know because have Red Bull improved any more with the Honda engine? I mean, certainly, you know, McLaren <clears throat> made terrific choices with their drivers. And, you know, in Sainz and Norris, they've, uh, they've got a terrific pair there who are... You know, are getting. You know, I'm sure if they had Verstappen and Hamilton in that car, you know, they'd be doing even better than Science and Norris yeah. would. But that said, uh, you know, yeah, I, 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 so. I, I don't think Science and Norris are really leaving much on the table there. They're, um, no, it's good. That's, you know. that's the thing. They're doing all right. It's, it's, uh, we sort of mentioned the last show, isn't it? But it's quite nice to see McLaren pull themselves I think, up. Yeah, yeah, McLaren McLaren very... They're still 131 points behind the next team up. But you just sort of cut off. There's a, so there's a top three, and then there's the rest, and that's they're the best of the rest, which. Given how dismal they've been, that's they're doing all right. Um, I was also going to mention the fact that uh, so Renault are fifth place, thirty nine points, and sixth place uh, on twenty six points, Alfa Romeo, and they're like the not mentioned team. They're this not season. at all. They don't. The commentary doesn't really cover them. It's so weird. Like Raikkonen, you sort of sometimes forget that Raikkonen's still in the sport. It's like he's not doing anything exceptional, but nor is he kind of he's keeping out of trouble. And they're clearly he's scoring a few points. Because I think he's doing the heavy lifting. I haven't actually checked this, but I'm assuming that's those points. Well, he, you know, he, he at the very least, he wasn't spinning out of the race and no causing a thing. safety car. It's just nothing ever happens. He just drives no. around doing a reasonable bit of work, considering it's not the fastest car. And they're, yeah, they're six points. They're ahead of um, Racing Point by about seven points. Racing well, Point. Exactly I mean, so points. Racing Point. What's the I mean, Lance Stroll. I never hear his name as well. I mean, and yeah, they I mean, are. You know, it's... If you're a midfield runner that's not crashing mm. all the time and you know doing you know and not getting noticed for the wrong reasons it is quite hard to mm. to get noticed though yeah well that's weird so i just realized that um uh, racing point are in seventh and uh, toro rosso are in eighth but they're both on 19 points and then in ninth place is Haas with 16 points. Oh, so Haas it feels like they constantly get attention. Yeah, I was going to yeah, say, well, they get atten- they're getting actually, a lot well, of attention at the moment. Probably, <laughs> we'll come on to that in a minute. But um, um, Well, just to wrap this up with one final, in tenth place, you could have guessed this already, Williams. And they have zero points. So the only team that has points. zero points. It's, it's a sad zero indictment points. of the state you, of How do you there. think George Russell will be feeling in his <laughs> debut season? I mean, it's deflated. <laughs> 
Although mm. I perhaps although he's 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 driving an F1. Yeah. He'd be pleased about that. Now, on the one hand, uh, I think up to a point when you get a break like that, you know, you're you know, you can be pretty happy to just to get the experience uh, to know that you're doing a good job in the equipment that you're given, which I think Russell is doing. Um, but that said, if you think that you can score points given good enough equipment, and if you think you can win races given good enough equipment, and, you know, the guy's a racing driver, he, he, undoubtedly, thinks he undoubtedly thinks that. Comes with a job. You know, it's going to get frustrating. So I, I, th- I, think, I think this is probably getting to the... Yeah, I would imagine he's starting to get a little bit... At least a little bit frustrated by now, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and they, he could be outed at any moment. I mean, there's a couple of previous Formula One drivers racing around in Formula E this year. But given that he's outperforming Kubica, I think I, I, I wouldn't. I mean, if I was Russell, I wouldn't be that worried about about my place. He seems to be getting the better of Kubica most of the time, and given mm. how highly rated, you know, Kubica is. In the sport, um, you know, I think that means that, that, that Russell's doing a doing a respectable mm. job, um, and uh, yeah, and have Williams got the money to, you know, to go and buy more yeah, expensive drivers at the moment? They won't I don't get think... their money back if they go. We'd like to return this. Yeah, you Hopefully, the next couple of years receipt? by twenty twenty. No, we don't have the receipt. Okay, all right, we can just have we can just have store credit at the big driver shop. <laughs> Who can we have? Oh, God, what, Daniel Kvyat? No, we don't want him. I didn't know he was even on the market. Oh. We've got a very nice oh, Esteban no. nice Ock on here. Yes, so. we've got a <laughs> lovely Ock on. Uh, very lightly used in the last year. Uh, one careful owner, I think. What about, have you got a Gutierrez? No. Oh, there's a picture in the window. Yeah, I'm sorry, he's spoken for. I saw him. I saw him doing a little talk at the Grand Prix. Um, the other thing that I forgot I was going to uh, uh, say about... Uh, uh, a cool thing that happened to me at the Grand Prix was that I met Bert Maylander. Oh, safety, uh, safety car, car driver. driver man. Safety oh, car supremo. Because uh, he vaguely knows someone I know who, uh, and he came in to do a little talk in this thing we're in, and then to, uh, one of my mates I was with has, um, uh, knows him a little bit. And so I got to shake his hand. And Not in, too firmly, because I didn't want to, you know... I imagine he's super, super cool. Such a cool guy. And he did this little talk, and he was really funny. He must be the most unknown driver in the whole of... Yeah, well, that's the thing, unless like you sort the, of... Uh, been, yeah, the, you know, he's like the... Um, the kind of ratio of recognition to number of times you've seen him on screen must be kind of, you know, off the yeah. scale. well, he's always got the Did helmet he? on. And, and, and in fact, because I was like saying... Like Top Gear. Yeah, like, sort so of like that, yeah. but even cooler. Because he... That's, he's got, and sure enough, he said, oh, I don't think I'll be out today. I'm not, I'm not you know, but I can never know. I might be out five times. Yeah. And then sure enough, you know, they did have a safety car. But he's got his, he's got his helmet on and um, he uh, he said um, he, that he got a flight from Birmingham Airport straight after the race. <laughs> and he's like, got my hire car keys in the pocket of his Nomex. <laughs> he's got his bag in the boot. So basically, at the end of the race, assuming he's still parked in the safety car sort of launch spot at the end of the pit lane or wherever, as soon as they go, OK, that's it, the cars are all in, burnt, you're clear. He's like, engine off. Into runs the out of the back of the paddock into the hire car. I didn't yeah. get a chance to ask him what it was, but in my head, it's like it's an astral, so it's just really dismal. And he's out there, and he's trying to get out of there before the crowds, because he's like, I've got a flight. I've got a flight, and they always do this to me. Wow. They book me on a flight that's like right at the end of the race, and I've got... And you just think, imagine how hard Bert Maylander is going to whip that hire car <laughs> to get to Birmingham Airport. And he was even going, I've done it before. I know the layout. So it's like, you know, great racing drivers, always thinking ahead, he's, always strategising. He's got the strategy in his head. Yes, I will. it's a Hertz car, I will put it here and I will drop it. He's, he's got it all in his mind. And he's saying, oh, I, I will get stuck in traffic, I know I will, but it's OK, I've got my clothes and my bag, it's on the passenger seat, I'm going to start taking my race suits off. So there's people, probably on the M1, <laughs> looking over and going, who's that my guy getting undressed in his Astro? What's happening here? <laughs> Who's a dude? Total dude. If, 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 he could, yeah, if he can actually change before he gets to the airport, I'll be very impressed. I, I think I, I wouldn't bet <laughs> against it. He's a legend. Other, any other driver thoughts from the Grand Prix? I mean, one thing that came to me was simply that, um, having talked about Gasly in the oh, last yeah, show yeah. and, and mm. how much he needed to pull his socks up, he, he did, did pull his socks up this week. So sock I, pulling. Yeah, I think, I, think, he, I think he put the uh, pedal to the metal. <laughs> yeah, do you, think he's, do you think he's done enough to keep, keep his place I in the team for a while? I think he's, uh, yeah, for a while, yeah. I think yeah. he's still on watch. I mean, I agree. I, yeah. I, I think, you know, he, you know he, he, was, he, was, he was definitely below par for the first 
but he's, he has. He, this was the kind of performance re- you'd expect him to. I think deliver, so. He's so. answered. He's res- he's definitely resurrected. Yeah, but I think he's still on watch. Well, you know what? He needs to keep delivering. That's the he thing. Needs you know, he needs to keep delivering. He, he, can't, he can't have just one who, weekend. Who he's would, got to keep doing it. Who would actually replace him? Would they put that? They don't have the depth that they used to have at Red Bull, but you know. But you can always find somebody if you know if you're if you, oh, yeah, you know, if you if you're determined up. to replace him with a guy you can you can always yeah, find I somebody. Think so. And the other thing, actually, Vettel, he had that stupid collision with Verstappen. Um, it's not going great, is it? It's not. It's not it I mean, well, I would say that, but he's he's. Um, it, it does seem to be a little bit at the uh, moment as if the rate at which Vettel is heading, you know, towards really seeming like not such a great driver anymore. You know, really, you know... He makes uh, a lot of unforced he's, errors. He's looking quite sketchy this year, don't you think? I, I mean, thought he's, he was he's, looking a bit it's, sketchy it's last just, year, but yeah. then it sort of hasn't improved for him this year. Yeah, I mean, well, it, it, it's... Uh, I think it certainly got worse with... Um, was he the one with that Leclerc. Laid... That's Le... the embarrassing thing, isn't it, that he's he's got a teammate now who is prepared to hand him his ass in a bucket. And, but he had that with Daniel Ricciardo, and he didn't like that either. I just looked up the driver's standings because I, I had I, we were talking about the team standings again. You sort of forget. Obviously, Hamilton's leading the championship, two hundred twenty-three points, and Bottas is is behind him on yeah, one hundred eighty-four. The championship is done. You know, obviously, but Verstappen is third, so Vettel is fourth, but uh, Leclerc is fifth, and, and Vettel's one hundred twenty-three, and Leclerc is one hundred twenty. So that is. That is, that is kind of incredible. That's just really, really. Yeah, it really is. And then, and then, mm. old Peter Gasly is in, in sixth place, but he's only got fifty-five points. So Leclerc ahead of him, one hundred and twenty, and there's a massive gap there. And then I think I said oh, on the last sense. show that um, Norris is is showing signs. This is how we do it in the McLaren. Well, hmm, not so. I was talking out of my bum because uh, Science is uh, is in seventh place with thirty eight points. Then it's Raikkonen, the stalking horse. Yeah. Raikkonen, it's like yeah. we just said, he doesn't yeah. quite he, get on with the job. Man man with it. Quiet, yeah. Yeah. delivering. Are yeah. we sure it's even him? Because he, he just got. Oh, okay, okay, I can't be bothered. And there's, there's someone else who's doing the job for him. But then, um, yeah, Norris is in ninth on twenty two points. So actually, science is, is actually a bit of a chunk. And Norris on the same number of points as um, Daniel Ricciardo. Yeah, scraping in at top ten is Daniel Ricciardo. So there we go. Keeping anyway, the dream alive. There we are. The reason it's also just a good to do a little points review is because the British Grand Prix was the tenth race of the season. It's a twenty one race championship, and uh, so we are. As of next week, German Grand Prix, that'll be sort of halfway point. Yeah, sort of halfway through the race, we'll be halfway through the season. So, yeah, we are are approaching halfway point. Good good time to take stock. But apart from the on track action, there's been been stuff happening, there's been stuff happening off track that's been um, quite entertaining. Slash confusing, slash mostly to d- <laughs> slash laughable. Yeah, laughable. To, uh, rich energy, Hass F one. What the hell is going on? I've no what idea. Is, uh, I think I mean, it's giving me a. Can headache. anybody? I mean, my and that's not brief, just because I've had some rich some, energy. I mean, <laughs> I mean, okay. As far as I can make out, in the last couple of weeks, Rich Energy announced on their official Twitter account that they were uh, withdrawing their sponsorship. Of uh, of Hass, mm-hmm. um, then they announced that some uh, somebody had taken over the Twitter account and been tweeting out who wasn't authorised to, mm. and that they were in fact still sponsoring Hass. Uh, William Story, the uh, ZZ Top uh, <laughs> lookalike who uh, <laughs> was he... in charge of Rich Energy, is now no longer in charge of Rich Energy. Was his own uh, company he founded, wasn't it? And he's been outed. Well, well uh, did he found it? I, I think that's that's probably getting into detail that um, yeah, is yeah, maybe slightly sure. murky. And but mm. he, he was the boss in any case, uh, majority shareholder. Um, he's been pushed out. He is no longer in charge of Rich Energy. Rich Energy is now no longer called Rich Energy and is called Lightning Vault. Yes. Um, Lightning Vault. Uh, the the uh, William saga. Story and Rich Energy as was. Uh, are being sued by Red Bull oh, yes. and by the bike company whose logo they were using. Well, that, so that uh, that legal action is now. Have I complete. missed anything? They have. They but then Rich Energy hasn't paid the money they were supposed to pay to White Bikes. Right, which is why White Bikes are now. Yeah, which is why White Bikes are now suing them for the money that they were awarded in damages in the court case mm. over their logo. They passed the. There was a, a a date was set. I think it was the 18th of July when they had to stop using the old logo. And 
looking at their Twitter account. And they have sure raised enough, a new logo. They have a new logo, which looks like they've sort of spliced the old one in half, mirrored it in Photoshop, and it's still and sort of has a kind of stag antler theme going on. I was yeah. just looking it at their... It looks like antlers. It's still they're antlers, but I suppose it doesn't look like... Yeah. I mean, they so could at least change the colours or something. On the, I think it was on the 16th of July, they, uh, the Rich Energy official Twitter account, tweeted, William Storey, founder of Rich Energy, has sold his majority stake in the legal entity of Rich Energy Limited to a third party. This was in disgust at conduct of duplicitous minority stakeholders. In the words of Arnold Schwarzenegger, he'll be back. Now, obviously, this is him writing about himself (laughs) in a mad third-person way. But what was interesting about this is the photo (laughs) that he attached to this tweet is a picture of him, beardy, strange man that he is, with his uh, with his arm round uh, Bernie Eccleston, oh, who looks like wow. he's done a face Which app on always... himself. That's like Bernie Eccleston aged. It's weird how, since we don't see Bernie all the time, he's he's sort of looking weirdly beardier but older. Like that, they that... use that face app. Well, that's what I thought. I thought it looking like ever so slightly more like a homeless man. Yeah, but, um... yeah. It's like weird, isn't it? He's, he's, he's richer than astronauts, but he's wearing what looks like a black leather jacket. That he's bought off Shepherd's Bush like Market. Ro- yeah, hey, it's, like the, 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 it's the dress down look. Come on, the, the, yeah. You know, he's he's allowed. Uh, he's allowed. But look at this state but... now. I I've <laughs> seen <laughs> William Story doing this before with his sort of arm round big celebrity type people as if he's their mates, and I swear it's just him going up to them and going, "Can I get a picture, please?" <laughs> um, who knows? It's from a girlfriend. Yeah. Well, and the, the other thing, I mean, um, there have also been several legal letters posted on one Twitter account or another that, 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 that suggests that, you know, the whole relationship between Rich Energy and Haas uh, is not particularly good anymore. I mean, wh- well, <laughs> what now, is going on? At, what, I saw uh, um, uh, that... Um, where? What's his flap? The uh, the team principal, Gunter Steiner. Gunter oh, Steiner. Who is a legend. And, and as, I, legend. as someone was saying the other day, it's like with all the stuff that's been going on with Rich Energy and with the sort of underperformance of that team with the drivers and all manner of shenanigans, someone said to me, I cannot wait for the next series of the Netflix Formula One documentary. Oh, yes. Because Please. the swearing from Gunther Steiner will be off the scale brilliant. But he also was quoted as saying, someone asked him last last uh, the last race, um, what do you, what's going on with this whole rich energy thing? And, and he was just like, I'm not in school anymore. I can't be doing with this. He basically was just saying that they all need to grow up. He was trying to get on with running a team. Well, good for him for quite a good answer, getting on. Yeah, it is, it's, it's mad and also pathetic and also confusing. And, and also, it's kind of weird that we have... Um, uh, I mean, I guess part of the i mean whatever the point of this whole rich energy thing is you know one assumes that a certain amount of um you know building up of a brand and gaining brand recognition is part of it well you know we have all come to know the name of rich energy I was say, yeah, they're well but it's not called rich now. energy anymore. but it's now not called it's rich called energy and we've bolt. never been able to buy a can lightning, of it at any point it's just lightning bolt lightning bolt uh, lightning bolt, bolt. Yeah. oh gosh lightning yeah. bolt might get involved there <laughs> so cheap is this one of the sounds like something like you know some sort of T-shirt brand I'd buy when I was ten years old. It doesn't really sound like a drink, does it? I mean, you know, rich energy. I can see that. But, when uh, you're a student. Lightning Volt. Lightning it's terrible. Volt. Also, um, my our friend uh, Johnny Smith it keeps trying to convince me to change my surname to Energy so that I can say, "Oh, I'm, I'm Rich Energy," and then you can say what you want about it. And they can't touch you for it. Yeah, it's my name. Rich Energy. You know, hi. I'm he rich might be. On, he might just be onto something there. However. Your window of opportunity to oh, no. doing that has just disappeared. Well, I, You're now going to have to change your name to Lightning Bolt. Lightning Bolt. If, if you want to pursue that particular... <laughs> that particular avenue of avenue. unemployable madness, yeah. So the the rich energy Farago continues. Is it going to... Is this just going to sort of fade away? Oh, or, I don't know. Uh, I just want it we to care? be two years do down we... the line when we'll find out what was really going on here because it's yeah, I mean, so bizarre. But there, I just realised there, there, there must be more to this than, than meets the eye. There must be more to this than... If only it was Lightning Bolt because I was at school with a bloke called Richard Bolt. <laughs> no. Why don't they call it Rich Bolt or Rich Volt? Either way. Rich Vault. It's a better name than Lightning Vault, which is, let's be honest, toss awful. I agree that it's a terrible, terrible name. I'm not sure that Rich Vault would have been better. Well, why don't we ask him?
Hello. Hello. I'm looking for a can of rich energy. I wonder, is that something you have? Good old rich energy. We're not just there for the bad things in life, like Roland Grosjean's 2019 season, or the taste of rich energy. We're there for the nice things too. Oh, you do? That's marvellous. Yeah, yes, yes, my name. Why, yes, it's it's Reg Bull. No? Oh, uh, okay, well, uh, what about Luke Ozade? Uh, okay, still. Uh, Lightning Volata? Now, also in Formula One news, the FIA has uh, finally announced the shape of its rules for 2021 and beyond, which has been, uh, you know, this is something that Ross Braun has been leading a working group on for Mm. a while now. And this is a much anticipated rule change affecting uh, the design of the cars uh, quite substantially. We don't have final rules for 2021 yet. This is still a a work in progress. There's all kinds of details to be worked out. But um, um, they have released what says ahead of the new proposed revealing at the end of 2019. They're going to talk about these sort of four pillars that will be carried out. So they're giving us a taste right. a taste of what we will see. Yeah. So And that and that is broadly speaking, I mean in 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 broad terms, um the uh, there are aerodynamic changes. We are going to see ground effect uh back in the cars by design uh, and simpler front and rear wings. We're going to see generally uh more prescriptive parameters for the cars which is again broadly speaking going to mean that the teams have a bit less room to design the cars and have a bit more imposed on them by the rule makers well, so there say, are going to be a couple of well, this well is let's it co- seems to be delayed because they're well, asking everybody and they're asking the teams and obviously the teams and they're asking they need the, to do yeah. that it would be nice if they could he could just go i'm ross bloody braun i'm telling you what you're going to do because well, i won a Formula One World Championship with my team with my name on it, but he can't because it's apparently too they can't. Well, this is a, this is the, you see this is this is interesting, isn't it? You know, although the FIA are the rule makers, in practice they they can't actually just make the rules they want to make, and and of course you know in in any sport you do have to make your rules with some kind of sympathy for the people that are involved in the sport. You have to listen to what people in the sport want, listen to what the fans want. Um, So the the question is, is the direction that uh, the FIA is taking us in with these new roles... Is it the right one? Are, are they making any kind of fundamental mistakes here? I mean, what's um, uh, what's what's, what's, what's your first take on this? I mean, well, we should just maybe just quickly go over a couple of the other changes. There are um, well, they're, 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 they're changing the tyre. There's going to be a big change. The tyres are going from the current uh, uh, thirteen inch to um, eighteen inch uh, lower profile tyres. It's quite a jump, isn't it? That's like going from a sort of the wheels on a nineteen eighty two XR two I to the wheels on a. 2019 much bigger it is and it changes the whole look of the car and they're also but they're also changing it's not just the it's not just the look there's also this question of the compound and whether it's going to be yeah a, they want cars that won't degrade as quickly right so exactly Pat less degradation sort of less tyre yeah they've been on what they think has been not necessarily the right way that they've gone in the last two years they think maybe they should have uh, cars that will drop sorry tyres that will last a little bit longer um, not necessarily Le Mans type tyres because they have spoken to the fans. The fans enjoy the pit stops, and that changes the strategy of a lot of races. Yep. So that will stay in, but they. It seems that what they're trying to do is to uh, avoid having too much uh, of the racing involving uh, drivers, you know, managing their tyres, you know, uh, and spending more time racing flat out against each other mm. rather than you know managing their pace so that they can you know eke another five or ten laps out of this set of tires yep. in order to make them be able to pull off a particular strategy that will 
give them a race advantage. They also want more competitive grids, so they, they're looking at removing some of the driver aids on the cars, and that's being evaluated ahead of October, and a reduction of car-to-pit telemetry is also being investigated, so less communication between, you know, between driver pit, yeah, which and 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 that I can see. I mean, I, I can see two sides to that. On the on the one hand, you know, I, in a sense, you should be able to use kind of almost whatever technology is available to you, and you know, particularly if it's uh, just you know keeping drivers informed. But on the other hand, we admire racing drivers for doing what they do, basically single-handed at the wheel. Mm-hmm. We don't really admire them for their skill in taking instructions and advice from the pit. So. So push, you know, so putting it a bit more onto the drivers, I, I think that's that's quite a good idea. That's the, I noticed that they're um, still ignoring my suggestion of uh, banning um, pit to car radio, but introducing car to car radio, and you can just phone up any other driver you want and have a as little long as we can word listen with in. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to, I'd like to hear. And they've got a good bleak machine. I think. <laughs> I think that'd be brilliant. Yeah, the only person from the pits who's allowed to talk to <laughs> any and all of the drivers is Gunther Steiner, as long as he promises to be Gunther Steiner at all times. You know, okay, the, the, I am now on board with this idea. I'm there like you this go. idea. See, this is, this <laughs> is the, this this kind of creative solution that they yeah. need. And these rules, I can see what they're trying to do, uh, and it's fair enough. Uh, I did, well, two things. I think the powertrain stuff isn't mentioned because I think they've agreed with the teams. They're going to keep basically the current 1.6 litre engines with the with the whole hybrid powertrain, yeah. because too many people have invested too much time and money in this in this you current know, generation. Mercedes and and Renault powertrain. and, and all the yeah. other powertrain suppliers have just gone. Eh, no, no, don't want to change that again. So that's staying as it is. That's something they've already sort of brought their influence to bear on. I did hear this rumor at the British Grand Prix that uh, which you know, was just sort of. Tittle tattle. They were saying that they'd sort of entertained the idea of um, bringing refueling back again, if they thought that would bring some benefit. But I don't know. I mean, it seems a bit odd to me. I, I, in, in, in all honesty, I can't see them doing that simply because no. there's the, 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 there's a there's a real safety angle there. And I think having not had refueling in the sport for so many years, I, I can't see them bringing back in an element that introduces. Uh, you know the danger of fire in the pit lane. I, d- I, d- I well, just can't see them doing that. It's also contrary to this thing. If they're going, they're trying in this you know, it's a, the hybrid powertrain, the, the smaller engines, um, and it's it's a sort of drive to efficiency. Then refueling sort of is contrary to that. Against, yeah, that's true. Sends a different message out. Uh, I mean, but yeah, also it's it's just they've been without it for so long, and everyone's managed. So it just seems like why why reintroduce the prospect of a flash fire? If you don't have to, absolutely, um, I, I probably wouldn't reflect well on the sport. I don't know. I mean, if it made the racing better, that would be fine. But I don't think it does. They have to keep in mind what the objectives of the rule changes are, and I mean, and one of the objectives, let's remember, is making overtaking easier. And one of the key aspects of that is this aerodynamic change in reintroducing mm. ground effect um, and changing the design of the. Front and rear wings. I mean, you know, apart from anything else, simplifying the front and rear, rear wings, more or less, with the objective of um, of changing the way that a car that is following closely another car is affected by the by the turbulence coming yeah. off the aero elements of the car in front. And and the ballpark figures are that. You know, at the moment, if you're following close behind another car, you're losing about 45% of your downforce, which makes it uh, crazy hard. Yeah, so 45%. That's loads. Yeah, and... it's loads, and that's why it becomes so hard to overtake, even if you've got a faster car. And that's why, for a few years, we've had this slightly awkward bodge of the DRS, DRS mm. which, to be fair, you know, works pretty well, but it's a bodge. Band-aided the problem, to think. Yeah, it is a bit of a band-aid. It's been a fairly effective one, but, you know, you can see why uh, a kind of a a more fundamental Mm. solution is more attractive. And if they can can achieve this objective of, you know, of going from 50% downforce loss when you're following another car to to 5% loss of downforce, which Mm. is what they're trying to achieve and what they say they should... Uh, achieve with with the new uh, new design parameters for the car, for the cars. If they pull that off, if those numbers do work out, then it is going to make it easier for uh, for for the following car 
to overtake, and that should make a significant difference in the racing. Mm. Yes, I mean, it's also interesting. I think we're all on board. Gordon Murray sitting at home going, "Told you." Yeah, well, and actually, but you see, this raises an interesting thing. I, I do wonder with the ground effect, though, because I mean, my simple understanding of you know of ground effect and why it was banned first time around. Um, is that um, uh, they banned ground effect because it? I mean, it was it was kind of making accidents happen at higher speeds. It sort mm. of shifted that it shifted the speeds at which cars tended to suddenly fly off corners. I think it's a bit sort of everything, everything. Oh God, nothing, and you're right, off, isn't it? Right, right. The other thing that they're proposing this hasn't gone through because none of it has. But the other thing they're suggesting that they're sort of floating. Um, for approval is um, getting rid of tyre warmers. Yeah, I was just really yeah, that. Which is kind of, that's warmers. interesting. I mean, it sort of means that people that, come out of the pits and it'll all be a bit skatey. Yeah, I mean, yeah. my first... I would imagine. Well, I mean, I mean, my first reaction to that is that sounds like quite a good idea because yeah, it's going to play it's you know it's going to tell me the benefits of warming these tires what why are tire blankets well beneficial they're beneficial because the tires work at their best when in other words give the best grip when they are when they've reached a certain operating temperature so that's and the tire the are designed to work and then within they heat them up even more well i mean they, they, well they, i mean they, they'll have had them in the in the tire warmers you know before yeah, the formation yeah, yeah, but yeah but, but but that's why they're steering and braking during the formation lap to keep the tire temperature up they don't because mm. if, if the tires get too cold they lose grip and obviously that's bad um, so is that creating so, more management for the driver then to try and warm the tires up themselves well i think it is to... I, I, it, it, yeah. I, I would have thought what it means is that for you know for a couple of laps until your tires get up to temperature it's going to you know show a bit more difference between the drivers who have a really good feel for where the exactly where the grip of their tire is and the ones that don't there's restrictions and on the gonna... warmers already thing and they when they come out you know they come out of the pits the tires are not at the total max mm. temperature they could be but if they're absolutely stone cold it's going to be it's going to be marked isn't it you'll just yeah. sort of, you know there's bits where someone comes out of the pits and just nips in front of the person that they're battling for position for and then they can usually hold them off uh while the tires get full temperature in them but i suppose if they're really really skiddy but there's, there's gonna be less of that there's yeah, gonna be less yeah. of that and there's gonna be more kind of grosjean coming out of the pits at british grand prix and suddenly spinning on crash. cold yeah because yeah, suddenly being on cold tyres. So I, don't, I somehow suspect that Grosjean won't be in F1 by the time these rules come in, though. That's just a hunch. Right, we'll so, see. the final pillar, For- they want to make this more financially viable. The Formula 1, how will we make this more of a financially viable championship? Which won't be good news for Mercedes, Ferrari and Red Bull, who are financially mm. quite well. well off. But do you think they will be able to effectively stop the teams with the deepest pockets always getting an advantage from having more money because i you know cause well, i think there's going to be loopholes in the end, here because there's no restrictions on marketing um there are no restrictions on driver salary or sort of engineer's salary yeah um but there's also talk of staffing getting sort of less people in so they don't yeah there's talk of restricting the number yeah, of people that uh, so, each team's each team could have at any race yeah um well also of standard compo- more standard components of the car steering columns maybe uh, brake components it's really interesting which, say that know, every team can only have seven people at a race <laughs> see how they get on then you got the you got the bloke who's doing the aero who's also having to make breakfast. Real old school, the way it used to be in the fifties. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't know. It'd be a lot more room for error. Yeah, it'd be really if interesting. Were, if, if seven people include the drivers as well, they've got to ruck in as well. They've got well, to put the wheels on the car before they set off. If it was, you know, you could imagine house turning up maybe at one race and they're going, yeah, okay, well we've 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 gone for an extra strong uh, pit crew. <laughs> This, know, uh, really this time, just... and we've left one of the drivers behind because yeah, really, we're, decided... we're pretty fed up with these two. Yeah, we we, we is... thought we only wanted to bring one to this. This race. is his punishment. This, so, yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, actually, uh, you know that lady who normally looks after the drivers and then just uh, yeah, she's going to drive on a car. Because <laughs> quite honest, a uh, her, her real name is Jamie Chadwick, and b she can't be worse than the two idiots that we've got blundering around for us at the moment. Uh, it's I, I would uh, that, all of these things. I mean, Let's really think out of the box here. I mean, I d- salary. I mean, that's why some of the salary caps for some of the sports 
you know, can they they do work around them because you give okay, you give a player, for example, in football, x amount of pounds for a year, but then you also give him all these sponsorship endorsements and just fill his salary up with all that kind of stuff. What meanwhile the team still comes under the salary cap. Mm. So I think there will be a lot of <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, any kind of cost cap is famously you know hard to police, hard to implement. Um, I think you know. Um, they can certainly try and introduce some changes in the rules to bring costs down, huh. and that's got to help the you know that's got to help the the midfield and back of the back of the but, but, but it's a very very difficult thing to do, and and in the end you can never, like I say, you can never stop the the teams who've got the most money finding some way to get an advantage out of having all that much money. Well, Mind you, though, that they are trying to sort of obviously get onto that because they're talking about standardised wheel rims, standardised tyre brake, sorry, standardised brake systems, a ban on hydraulic suspension systems, a restriction on the use of certain exotic materials, standardised radiators, a frozen specification of gearbox parameters, and standardised pit equipment for all teams. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of those are sort of just taking a little bit further some rules that I think they have already. I mean, some materials are banned already. Using beryllium alloys, I think, in engines was banned a few years yeah, ago. Yeah, it's a shame because uh, it was beryllium to work. Oh, but their tyres are already standardised, I suppose, aren't they? Everyone's saying the ECUs are standardised. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, so, I, I mean, you know, in terms of, I mean, to, you know, to wrap this up, I mean, what's your general take uh, then on, on how these rules uh, you know, are you optimistic about whether this is going to take us in the right direction? I think so. I just think any change is a good change in this kind of direction to try and create some sort of parity between the teams. Because at the moment, there are a lot of people complaining that it's just, you know, a one-team, one-man show. And there's been... The word boring's come out. So, I mean, there has been some cracking races. the last two races? I mean, The Austrian Grand Prix was great. There's been some races that I've loved watching and you've seen some really fun things happen and some... And you always have a couple of races Yeah, there's always good stories, you know, throughout the race. But, I mean, it'd be great to see a number of different drivers have the chance to be the top. It'd be, you know, a bit like the Premier League season, for example, last year took everybody right up to the very last game. Wouldn't it be great if we had that in Formula One, which I think is what they're trying to achieve. So I think any move in that direction is a good direction. Richard, what's your what's I agree take? with Sarah. That, that, just, they, they've got to try what they can just to close it up. Um, I think this will probably get bastardised by the objections of teams and drivers and they could do more but they're constantly caught in this dilemma between really to make the racing absolutely as exciting and equal as possible it would probably involve kind of really simplifying things and removing a lot of the tech and they're caught in this problem where they also want to be the pinnacle of motorsport and and it's sort of white heat of technology that they you know the, the road car manufacturers who are involved in often just in name, really, and checks that they write, would try mm-hmm. and claim it feeds back into their cars, and it's mostly bollocks. But the point the point is that it's a good marketing exercise. If, if you suddenly have all these cars that they just run you know, non-hybrid engines and very little aero and they reduce a lot of the technology that's on the cars, then there's, there's, there's less marketing benefit for a lot of these people who are writing the, the checks that, that pay for the whole thing to happen. And then it sort of ceases to exist in in its current form, which I don't know. Maybe it needs that. Maybe it needs a bit of dismantling and building up again. I, I just don't know. I can understand. Mm. It'd be very easy to say, no, just just get rid of everything. Get rid of all driver aids, electronics. Just ban it. Go back to some kind of you know, like sort of almost like NASCAR principles, mm. where it's just really simple, really grassroots. But it's too late. We're too far down a different path for that. And let's be honest, Formula One is for most people taking part is a marketing exercise. Yeah, but in what you're saying there, you also, I mean, you're touching on, I mean, what you say about that marketing element of the technology is absolutely right. But also there is this element that for a lot of the people that are involved in the sport, you know, from the team's point of view, and and for a lot of the fans, you know, advanced technology and feeling and, and seeing teams, you know, deploying different kinds of technology... Um, and, and advanced tech is part of the appeal of the sport. And in a way, you know, and, and there is a tension here between making the 
sport better, making mm. the show better, mm. which basically means, you know, making the cars more similar, and giving teams and designers more freedom to do wacky, crazy F1 tech stuff. You can't have both of those, so there has to be some compromise um, the in, 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 the, in, in that sort of, you know, go wild with the tech side, yeah. m- perhaps mm. to make the racing better. But so, when someone comes up with an amazing piece of tech, if it's that advantageous, it almost immediately gets shut down again. In fact, going back to ground effects and things like that, they were, they were sort of fairly quickly shut down because mm. it seemed like they were giving some people an advantage, as I mean, well as that other I mean, some of these teams are so secretly. They literally put blankets and they put all these walls up, you know, so the other team doesn't see what their car looks like or what they, you know... The, the intricities of their engines and all their designs and everything, they're very secretive. So it's sort oh. of... Now, on this note, sort of, and this sort of belief or this, this attempt to sell people on the idea that Formula One improves road cars and there's a direct sort of relationship with technology, that, that is, it's pretty tenuous. It is pretty tenuous. I went... Uh, last week to the launch of that new Lotus hypercar, the Evira, oh. it's called. Evira? Uh, Ev- Evira? Yeah. Evija? It's E-V-I-J-A. I think it's Evija. Evija. I think it's Evija. It's Evija. I've just remembered it's Evija. There we go. You heard it here first. Anyway. It's the new uh, electric Lotus, and the stats on it are mind-boggling. 2,000 horsepower, um, 2 million quid as well. Wow. Gloss over that. Uh, they're only going to make 130 of them. This is just, this is really, because in a way... Are they going to make it, though? We've yeah, had a, we, yeah, they we, swear it's happening, it's happening. The, the, in fact, the, so, uh, when was the launch? Like, last Tuesday, the, uh, the car on display, it does work. It'll drive up to 40 miles an hour. It's a show car. It does but look pretty good. Absolutely, yeah, it looks pretty good. And they they swear absolutely that's what it'll look like. The production car will look like that. You know, give or take, few little sort of tweaks, mainly because they'll then does the, so the 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 first engineering mule is going to be ready next week. They were claiming, and that'll start the dynamic testing, and they'll sort of they'll they'll get it all ready. And they're supposed to be you know, supposed to be able to get the the, the the first deliveries will be next year, I think they said, but. The reason I bring this up, Pop Valley was quite cool. It's a cool-looking thing. It's interesting. I mean, I do find it sort of... If you're going to be a purist about it, you're going, well, that's sort of not... Lotus don't do that sort of thing. But I read, I know why they're doing it. They're making a big noise. It's the first new car they've done in 10 years. Yeah. And, we, and even we, that wasn't really new. So it's like this is the first, This is the start of something new. They've got the, the uh, money from uh, Geely now behind them, and they're going to do some interesting stuff. So in a couple of years' time, we'll probably see a new Elise. And, and it'll, be, it'll be nice to get excited about a, yeah. a new Lotus yeah, for a change. Yeah, so that's cool. So I can understand why they were... This is like firing a shotgun in the air. This is just going, look at us! Look! Like when Homer Simpson was tasked with promoting a bowling alley. And he just <laughs> fired a gun in the air while shouting bowling. This is Lotus firing a gun in the air and going, Lotus! Lotus! Look at us! We're Lotus! Uh, and that's and fair enough. Yeah, people have been paying attention a little bit more, so they've just got to keep that momentum up. The reason I bring this up is because I was talking to someone from Lotus! And uh, and he said, oh, yeah, there's some sort of stuff in, in this car that's come from Formula E. Really? Oh. So, so actually, racing does it. Because it was Williams. Uh, Williams had done all the electric tech in it. But no secret. I, I put it to you that maybe, maybe that is more likely to be happening in form, b- between Formula E and road cars mm-hmm. at the moment mm-hmm. than between Formula One cars and yeah. road cars at the moment because both uh, electric racing... And electric road cars are are still relative, you know, are still uh, are still relatively new. You know, we we are still developing both of them, whereas we've been doing we've been doing racing and driving on the road with petrol cars uninterrupted for over a hundred years. So we've had, you know, yeah. there's a lot more work to be done on the electric thing. There are a lot more clever tricks to be worked out. So so there's more room for you know the the, the clever racing well, folks to come up with. A manufacturer like Jaguar, they're pumping so much money into Formula E, but when we, you go and buy a road car that's electric, there's a lot of people that will gravitate towards the Jaguar, or whether that's a direct As relation from Mr. the Formula did. E to Not because of Formula cars. E, though, but, but I think there is a bit of crossover, because that's the thing. Pro- the road yeah. car yeah. people who are developing the electric Jag, like I've got, did... I heard ages ago before that car came out, they, you know, they were paying quite close attention to sort of some of the motor stuff that was going on in Formula E. Because also they were just learning about how motors work under extreme pressure, and it's like you know, mm. racing is quite 
tough on them. Mind so. you, though, like Formula E, there is a lot more driver parity in Formula E. Yes, so, there is. I mean, because of the way they've set up the rules of that race, I think, too, they have, you know, a lot, like the, the fan boost and all sorts of also, things. Also, I think with Formula <laughs> yeah, E, I mean, it's, uh, it's a good way for road car manufacturers to learn what happens if every time your car sets off, there's almost immediately an enormous accident on the first corner. <laughs> um <laughs> one one final thought before we wrap is, up about the oh. uh, Lotus is that it can be charged at, I think it's up to 850 kilowatts on an 850 kilowatt charger, which is, you know, is immense considering that. That is immense because the, the Tesla superchargers, are, which are basically the fastest chargers you can get in the UK, mm. I think, are 140 kilowatts. Yeah, yeah. So um, we're talking about. Yeah, the, what, the inverted commas fast chargers at the moment, like is sort of. Um, the ones you have on, on in motorway service areas are, are like 40, 50. Um, the one on the front of my house is 7 kilowatt. That's about normal, and a lot of public chargers are still only 7. So 850 is immense. Of course, there are no 850 chargers at the moment, and I asked a bloke from Lotus, and I went, what, 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 I mean, because that's the headline thing. They're saying, oh, you can charge this car in 10 minutes, which is true if you can find 850 kilowatt charger. And I said, well, there aren't any other. And the PR guy went, no, but there will be. Admittedly, they'll probably first appear in for buses. So it's like, so you've got to take your two million quid hypercar to a bus garage to charge up in ten minutes. It's a kind I, of okay, but, okay, ongoing the, issue. My, what I'm thinking here, I'm just thinking. You know, we're talking about 140 kilowatt uh, Tesla superchargers, 850 kilowatt uh, charging for the uh, for the new Lotus. Mm. At what point do we get to 2.2 gigawatts? Is that a reference to something? Back to the Future. Oh, is it? Come oh. on, don't, don't, don't you remember oh. Doc Smith? When Doc, Brown? Doc, Doc, Brown. Doc, Doc Smith. Doc Brown. Doc Smith. Doc Smith is okay. something else. Doc Brown. Doc Brown. When Marty McFly uh, tells old uh, uh, Doc Brown how much power he needs right. for his time-travelling yeah. DeLorean, oh, yeah. and he says it, it, it's 2.2 gigawatts, Doc Brown is so horrified by the, by, by the thought that he's going to have to deal with an insanely huge amount of power that he almost falls over on the spot. So that's to a bus garage. Well, apparently, yeah. But bus garage in 10 years' time, you'll have your 2.2 gigawatt charger. Back to the future. <laughs> We're always back Stop to the round, future. Be very pleased. Okay, I think that wraps that up. I think it probably does. I think we managed okay without uh, Gareth for once. I, I think, think so. Uh, yeah. I mean, we still miss you, Gareth. We do. <laughs> but hey, you'll be back soon enough, and uh, you'll be you'll be hearing this in the meantime. So uh, I hope this audio nugget nourishes you. I feel like we're on your radio. He didn't. Uh, he sent a note that said, "I oh, remember to mention that the next show is the summer music special." Right. So remember to mention the next show is the summer music special. The next show is the summer music special. Until then, that's it from me, Zog, and from Richard. Goodbye. And from Sarah. Goodbye. And we're going to leave you with a song by not-so-boyish boy band Take This. I'm in love with a car. Goodbye.
TV. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Gareth Jones on Speed! 